Welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Alan Jansen, contributing editor to Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast that brings you new ideas, comments, and concerns about the automotive repair and service industry, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible for you to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash for shops for details. On today's episode, we're talking about vehicle data. It's a topic that has been in the news a lot lately. We've heard about its importance in the development of autonomous vehicles and the necessity for unfettered access to it, and also a clarification of the ownership of it. But what exactly is it? We may understand the concept in general terms, but exactly what kind of data is the vehicle generating, and how can it be put to practical use in the automotive maintenance arena? To delve into the specifics, I thought it would be useful to speak to Asaf Weisbrot, the Chief Commercial Officer for Autonomo. Autonomo is a data company that's building a mobility ecosystem for a wide array of B2B and consumer apps. They describe themselves as pioneers in the development of a data services platform that will shape the growing network of connected vehicles. Asaf does nothing but think about vehicle data and how it can be harnessed and used for good. I called him at his home in Israel and started by asking just how big a role vehicle data is playing in the development of modern vehicles. In the automotive sector, the vehicle data is becoming a very important player. And when you look at the, the abbreviation case, connected, autonomous, shared, and electrified, you can see that the vehicle data is playing a major role in all four. Mm-hmm. Can we dig into that a little bit? What what exactly is the data that is being produced? Uh, are there different buckets of data that are being generated? And what are those buckets and how granular do they get? So I would say in general, you know, you can you can take the data coming out of the car and put it under three main business lines. There is data coming out of the car for B2C purposes. This is data driving your insurance policy that is driving commercial use, that is the data that's driving fleet management, leasing, uh, car financing, trends analysis, uh, planning, forecast, uh, mobility management, uh, point of interest, financial service, performance research. All those are using big chunks of data to analyze where the trend is, what is the history, how drivers are behaving, what energy consumption is. There is, there is a, another bucket or category of data that's falling under car health. We would like to see the meal, the, the malfunction indicator, lamp, but uh, the DTCs, uh, routines of maintenance, miles to maintenance, all those things that indicate and, and tell you how to service the car and, and predict the health. And of course, there is another bucket that I would say is dedicated to sensor harvesting and the other one that, that goes into uh, infotainment. And, and as we see in Autonomous, this week is changing weekly. It's uh, incredible how much data you're talking about. Um, obviously, this data can play a big role in predictive maintenance. That was one of the buckets that you mentioned. That is figuring out when a, a component is likely to malfunction. Is wide-scale use of data in this capacity still a long way off? Because I, I know it's, it's still developing. So you know we can we can uh, take the the word the two words predictive maintenance and in order to understand how how fast they're going to arrive let's talk about just maintenance without predictive. If we want predictive maintenance to be available fast, we have to make sure that all cars are already using the vehicle data for maintenance, just for maintenance, just to understand the odometer, 
just to know, you know, when is the next service, those basic things that the car can tell the owner of the fleet or the owner of the car. And to say that majority of cars are connected, I don't think that's the case yet. It's getting there, but not there. How many of those are actually using simple parameter like odometer for maintenance? Not a lot. So I would say it will take a year or two for a vast proportion of overall cars to be using data regularly for maintenance. And predictive maintenance, I think, is just uh, after that. Well, it sounds like we're still a far way off because the simple predictive maintenance, which is using the odometer, isn't really looking at the specifics of an individual vehicle. Looking at an individual vehicle is still some time away. Um, I would say that, that, that for maintenance, there are companies that know how to do it. And for predictive maintenance, very few. Okay. But I wouldn't say it's very far out. We definitely consider predictive maintenance on the horizon. It's something we constantly look for. Uh, the, the data being available on the car level is not sufficient. It has to be available on the cloud. And, you know, like in many other things, in, in the fleets are moving ahead of the rest. So if we had to forecast, I would guess that we, we would see different levels of predictive maintenance uh, arriving to maturity on, on the fleet side before you'll see it passenger cars. Okay. The damage from the car not functioning is much bigger than the value of the car. Of course. If you have a, a van and the van is, I don't know, $50,000 and it's full of diamonds, uh, you care more about the diamonds than you care about the van. <laughs> and then predictive maintenance that could prevent the next battery failure and other things uh, is, is worth a lot of money. And by the way, like, like in autonomous driving, I would say that, that predictive maintenance should be allocated to levels. It's not one level of predictive maintenance. There's going to be level one predictive, predictive maintenance and level two and level three and level four. Uh, of course. Uh, so, so I think defining the levels is important for the future. Predictive maintenance, you know, not to let it just fail. Right. And we're not even there yet. We're not even starting to label the levels of uh, a predictive failure. Yes and no. Yes and no. We do see companies that are doing wonders around batteries. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, batteries is a big part. Yeah, but nobody bothered to label them L1 predictive. Got it. I'm sure one of the consulting companies would do it eventually. How close are independent auto repair facilities to being able to diagnose trouble codes in real time, even if the vehicle's not in the bay? You know, the repair shops are depending on, on software developers. They're not going to do it themselves. The software companies are not going to repair cars, so they need someone in the middle, you know. I do see some uh, movement in that area. And if, if regulation is not in the way, I, d- I don't see a technological barrier there, but probably something for the, for the coming two years. So we talk about all the data that's being generated by the vehicle. How important is end-to-end consent on the use of that data? Is that a stumbling block right now, or are government regulations generally keeping up with technology? So that's a wonderful question. I think we think, first of all, you know, we, we look at autonomous Dealing with vehicle data, uh, we had to be extremely conscientious of privacy challenges from day one. And, and our decision was to, to find the place where the government is most strict about privacy and there are a lot of car manufacturers and go there to kind of certify 
or forge ourselves. And, and we went for Germany. We realized uh, that we have to take care of privacy in two different directions. One, when it comes to aggregate data, we need to know how to blur the data without damaging the value. And two, the foundation of privacy protection is transparency, and, co and transparency is based on consent. And what we did is provide an API that every OEM can embed easily get consent from the OEM to share the data with a third party, knowing that the person that clicked consent is actually the person who owns the car. It is really helping the driver understand what kind of data am I going to share, how many times a day I'm going to share it, who is going to get the data and for what purpose. And it gives a, a very reasonable driver journey that can easily say, hey, I, I like this app. I downloaded this repair app, and I want this repair app to be connected to my car directly. I want to do it easily. I don't want to go to 10 different places. I don't want to call the OEM and ask them to share the data. If I downloaded this app, my manufacturer should be able to do this connectivity. And what we do is allow the, the, the driver journey to stay in one application screen, the one that they downloaded, in order to complete the whole journey. And, of course, if they choose to share it with the independent repair shop, uh, well, the end game for my readers is really to capture sales. So how can they start building maintenance packages that hinge on telematics? Do you think that's going to be happening soon, and how complicated will that process be? When you're talking about repair, quite frankly, a lot of the sensitive data is not needed. I think the most problematic part of vehicle data is timestamp and location. And the other, the other sensitive element is of the metadata is duration. Am I looking at your data for one second, for three seconds, or actually stay on you for one year? So I can tell you, the longer you stay on the same vehicle, the more likely that there's going to be some kind of privacy issue. The more accurate you get with timestamps and with, with locations, the more likely there's going to be a privacy breach. So when I think about maintenance and repair, I actually say, if I repair a car, do I really need to know where it is now, exactly where it is? I don't think so. I need to get a stream of contemporary data from that car that I know what the vehicle identifier is, and I think that is it. If I get the good data, I can give. If I now get an identifier or even a temporary identifier or obfuscated identifier for that car with all the diagnostic information, the log, with all the travel codes, all the mill and all the indicators of, of the car behavior, do we need more than that to fix the car? Hmm. No, not really. I think not. And I don't think you need more than half an hour of a, a half an hour of, of log. So we can limit the duration, we can limit the geography or the GPS, we can limit the timestamps, and we can stay focused on the right data without any kind of endangerment to, to privacy. And if the driver understands that and they know that they will get good service, why would they say no? Right. For maintenance and repair packages, beautiful. Very easy. So good data equals good results. It doesn't even have to be intensely private data. It has to be just the right data about the engine's performance. And if you get the right data, you get the right results. I, I totally agree. And, and by the way, it's, it goes above and beyond uh, maintenance packages. If I want to learn the infotainment habits of drivers, I don't need to get their location and don't need to get the timestamp. I need to understand what they listen to. So 
Autonomous knows how to slice the data in a way that every use case will only see what's relevant for them and they won't see the rest. They don't get data that would create unnecessary privacy contamination for their database. Well, thank you very much for this uh, look at the vehicle data, how it's produced or what it's, what it's producing and how it can be used in the future. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, same here. It was great uh, and thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'd like to hear what you think about the importance of access to vehicle data. And if you have a related point of view that you'd like to share with the industry, let me know. You could be a guest on an upcoming podcast. Just drop me a note at alan at newcom.ca. You can subscribe to Auto Service World Conversations on Apple Podcasts or simply visit autoserviceworld.com every Monday morning to hear another conversation. As always, I want to thank SiriusXM Canada for sponsoring us and you for listening. I'm Alan Jansen. See you next time.